0: Hi, Louis. Hey, Gavin. How are you doing? I'm good. You made a very good cocktail for us today. Oh, Why, thank you. It's, I j- um, I, I'm, now that, like, after the first sip, I was like, oh no, can I handle it? But now I'm like, can oh I? no, can I handle it? Well, like, I was like, oh, it's a sipper, but now I'm like, I'm just going to swig this. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I understand. Dangerous. <laughs>
1: Hi everyone. And welcome to The Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast in which we take a film subject such as an actor, a director, or a mini-genre, and, you know, much like a cocktail, we put them in a shaker, mm. shake it all up,
0: mm-hmm. and, and most of the good comes out. And then we just get drunk. We
1: get, <laughs> we get wasted.
0: Welcome to the Mixed Reviews After Time. Ooh, so <laughs> sensual! Ooh, Love that. Um, Gavin, can you believe we're living in a post-parasite um, best picture winning I know. world?
1: Congratulations! Congratulations! Congratulations to the uh, uh, Parasite Hive. What's it called? Bong Bong- Hive. Bong Hive. Bong Hive. The first best international film to win the best picture award in the entire 1,983 years of the yeah. Oscars. Yeah. yeah, can you believe? Yeah, were you screaming when it won? Oh, yeah, I was totally watching. I was at... <laughs> okay, well, that's a joke.
0: How dare you? I was watching Fellini's Satyricon. That is not a joke. I don't know what words you just said. <laughs> um, I was at work watching, and literally, I, like, shut down. I was like, stop the presses. <laughs> Clear the pages. Parasite has one. You ate a peach. Mm-hmm. You went to the basement. Yeah. All those things. Yeah. <laughs> No spoilers. Those aren't... I was... Yeah. I was going to say, those aren't spoilers. They're just things that happen. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> um, thank you guys for coming back to us. Absolutely. Um, our last episode, we talked about Queen Alfre Woodard, who we also casually learned that for the past 11 years has been hosting a pre-Oscars dinner for black actresses. It's funny. Ooh.
1: I also just casually learned that. And I was just like, I did not mention this? It's
0: crazy that... I mean, it feels like... I think the LA Times wrote the story, and everyone on Twitter was like, Excuse me, what? Yeah, 11 years. 11 years of Alfred Woodard getting the gals together. I'm sure that it's like talking mad shit. Oh, yeah. Conspiring to like how they're going to finally overthrow, um, you know, white gross men. Um, and they better, they better, they, they fucking they, better. And you know what? Alfre is the queen to lead the way. Absolutely. Um, and everybody, like literally everybody was
1: there. Gabrielle Sitabe, uh, Janelle Monet. I'm pretty sure I saw a picture of Regina King, yeah. like just everyone. And, like
0: even like the younger girls, like Amanda Stenberg. Yeah. Like it's, uh, it warms my heart like there is now like uh, mentorship being fostered um uh and in all spots of uh Hollywood and uh, Oscar ness things um so it makes me very happy um we asked you guys to go online to vote for your favorite Alfred Woodard movie um we got a little so the the Twitter um account of clemency retweeted um our post yes um and so I have a feeling <laughs> that may have skewed the results, but surprise, surprise, Clemency came in at first place at 47%. Much deserved. I'm not saying like, yeah, no, congratulations to Clemency. Yeah, not yeah. saying that it's a bad performance, but you know. Yeah,
1: exactly. But it also was re- released in such a small market that it, yeah. it's hard to
0: believe that that, you know, many people's. Um, Passionfish, which was Gavin's choice, came in at 26%. Um, Other came in at 15%. We got a couple of replies. Um, two, at least two for Star Trek First Contact. Yep. Um, and my pick, Miss Firecracker, came in at last place at 12%. Oh. <laughs> we, How dare. <laughs> we did
1: get one vote for the family that prays, and I think that person did not listen to the episode, but that is fine.
0: That person is trolling us. Yes. They have been deleted off Twitter, exactly. blocked from the account, <laughs> reported. Yes, reported, reported and slammed. No, ma'am. Thank you. But
1: um, all really great choices. So yes. I don't think there is a wrong one. And honestly, if you have not seen Miss Firecracker, I highly recommend it because yeah. I think that's maybe perhaps what it is.
0: And it's for free online. Yeah. You at like several different places. So. Um, what I love. Though coming into this week's episode um, Beth Henley shows up again Working with um, our actress Who we are talking about today But wait But wait <gasps> Before we move Gavin, on, Do we have more old business?
1: Yes, before we move out of old business I do want to say We did receive another five star review And I promised I would read it on this episode So if you go on Apple Podcasts You can rate and review us Leave us a five star review And write us a little something This comes from Sam She <gasps> says A true gem Five stars Louis and Gavin are hilarious Thoughtful, articulate, and so fun to listen to. I love their friendship and literally find myself laughing out loud and talking back to them in each episode. Looking forward to the four plus hour Meryl Streep episode one day. Three hearts.
0: Oh, Samantita.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Please feel free to talk back to us anytime. Please. But don't I... you talk back to me. <laughs> <laughs> you will go fool Dolores Claiborne. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to this week's subject why. Miss Kathy it's Bates. Miss Kathy
0: Bates. Oh, yeah. We were talking. We were tr- like going over who to talk about um, for this episode, knowing that like it's Oscar season, but like so many of the nominees were so bling. Um, and then we got to Kathy Bates, and we were like, "Huh, you know, um, she and what was, a
1: strange year. What for, a strange year for yeah. her.
0: Um, she, I think most people would say that she's the one who stole J spot. Yes. Um, and which."
1: Is not first of all not
0: fair to and Kathy it's, it's Bates. It's not her fault. She, yeah, she doesn't. They don't nominate themselves. Right. It's not her fault. And I think um, looking. I think. I mean, we've already done our Jennifer Lopez episode. Yes, we love, we stand absolutely. Um, but once, like, I, I said the name Kathy Bates, you were like, you Scooby dude. Yes. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um. Just because we thought, oh wow, that's an interesting person. That yeah, surely we can dive into and figure out what's been going on. But interestingly enough, as you mentioned,
1: not only is the connection with Alfred Woodard, uh, you know, through Beth Henley plays, but also Family That Preys, which is a film they were the the two leads, the co-leads in. But also it's interesting because much like Alfred Woodard and much like our Stanley Tucci episode Mm -hmm. from a year ago or over a year ago, these are character actors. Yeah. And so it's hard to find the right films for them. Because oftentimes you end up watching a movie
0: that they're in a scene. Yeah. For. They're barely in, but it's interesting because Kathy Bates is, um, she certainly has a lot of movies like that, Yes, but she has also been able to break through, um, most famously in misery as Absolutely. like a, as a lead. Um, and so I think there was a lot to get through with her. I, I certainly watched a lot. I rewatched a lot of stuff also because also interesting, we've, we've talked about Kathy Bates and a lot of her movies before. Mm-hmm. We talked about, um, primary colors with Emma Thompson. Yes. We talked about, um, what else? What else? I know we have talked about. We some.
1: didn't actually, I don't think we talked very much about Prelude to a Kiss, but mm. she's in Prelude to a Kiss, which yes. also contains Stanley Tucci, you know, at Alfred Woodard, Family That Prays. You know, there are lots of people that circle this orbit that, yep. you know, our Stephen King episode, we mentioned both Misery yep. and Dolores Claiborne. So these are things that that Kathy Bates has found herself in that have intersected with our show right. many times. Yeah.
0: I mean, we talked extensively about Dolores Claiborne, which was my pick, I believe. My pick. What did Yours I pick? Yours was Misery. <laughs> we Well, so there we go. We, we, we talked <laughs> about both of those movies yes. extensively in our Stephen King episode, which, I mean, deservedly like they're such good movies oh we talked about her and tammy for melissa mccarthy um so oh, yeah. that's true we talked specifically about specifically her scene. about yeah because she's very good yeah
1: yeah In and a movie i i gave a one-star review to right so
0: i mean and so this kind of like shows how the range like i think her her specifically there's some very like hard clunkers and yes. there's like obviously these shining she's uh Oscar winner. She, she's, she's gone through so much. She's in her seventies now. Um, her career she, is fast. She's a breast cancer survivor. Yep. Um, Oh, we talked about her also Dick Tracy. Yes. We talked about her swept from the sea for Rachel Vice. Yep. Um, she, like you said, she's this character actor who's just like pops in in all these places. Um, Again, in Complete Unknown, another Rachel Weiss movie. Yes. I. The
1: funny thing is, is when I was going through her film ca- uh, catalog for this episode, I was like, who is she in Complete Unknown? And then it like wafted back into yeah. it. And it's like, oh, she's Danny Glover's wife yeah. in that one scene. That one
0: scene. Yeah. Why don't we get into The Rewind? Oh my God. I'm so excited, so happy, so nervous that it's my turn to do The <laughs> Rewind. But let's just dive in. Kathleen Doyle Bates i love
1: that middle name i I genuinely love that
0: middle name um i think it's a family name because her dad i think his middle name is also doyle um and also her proper formal name is kathleen she has just always been kathy um i was reading an article in the new york times and it specifically said she's like her name's kathleen but she's always been kathy (laughs) um she was born in june 28th 1948 so that makes her 71 um and she was born in memphis tennessee uh she was the youngest of three daughters um yeah, and her dad was uh, Langdon Doyle, and he was a mechanical engineer, and her mom, Birdie, was a homemaker. They grew up in the South, in Memphis. Um, she has said that she did not have a very good childhood. Um, And I think this is going to come up a lot, kind of like we talked about with Melissa McCarthy. Um, She just says, you know, I never went on dates. People always picked on me. um, And that mostly had to do with her size. She talks about it a lot um, in... I mean, of the interviews that we listened to, yeah. read, she at, at every every single moment, whether she was younger in life, whether after, before misery, after misery, you know, even now, she says to now, know, yeah, yeah, she's like, I just was listening to her on the Peter Travers podcast, and he's like, oh, do you want some popcorn? And she's like, I'm trying to like stay off. I'm trying to lose weight. I'm trying to, and it's that was like, I watched, I watched an interview with her on Kelly Clarkson, and she and
1: she was like, well, you know, I'm not. I'm not the ingenue.
2: Because oh, I'm, you know, face it, I'm not a glamour girl. So me neither. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> so uh, no, I've I'm glad that I I am who I am. So I've gotten to play all these kinds of different roles, yeah. and you know, as a character actor, uh, your career's not over when you're 40. You know, I, I can keep working and working and working, yeah. uh, and such an ageist business. You know, that a lot That's of my right, friends character
3: actors. I never thought of that, about that yeah. that way. Yeah. yeah
0: so. And it really, like, her entire life, she's um, faced and d- dealt with this. Um, you know, shame. I don't know, like this, uh, self doubt, but also just like people being assholes. Yeah. People being assholes and mean to her because of the way she looks. So let's just put in that out there really early. She uh, went to Southern Methodist, Methodist University, which is in Dallas. It's a kind of a fancy schmancy school <laughs> in Dallas, if you ask me. Um, um, she originally went to go study, um, English, but she quickly, um, just, found herself surrounded by theater people.
2: I came in as an English major, and I was in the School of the Humanities, and I believe the the man that was speaking uh, during orientation was a man named Joe Harris. Mm. And he was such a wonderful speaker, very impassioned, and he said, this is where you're going to begin your life's work, the thing you want to do the most, the thing you're the most passionate about, and and the whole playing field completely changed for me. And I I thought, wow, can I I be an actor? Hmm. Can I be in the theater? And can I do all this stuff? And then he finally was just so exasperated with me. He said, okay, here's your folder. You're in the wrong school. Go down the hall. Art school. Last door on the left. That's where you belong. And I went to see a play up at the Arden Playhouse up in the Rotunda, and I saw Garland Wright in a play called Queen Esther and the Yellow Ganders. And I mm. saw that, and I thought, and it's just like, mm. you know, sometimes something will hit you, like right in the solar plexus. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, I'll do anything I have to do to be a part of this, because it just hit me how special it was and how wonderful they were, how talented they were.
0: She moved to New York City in 1970 to pursue acting. And it, and she was, you know, doing odd jobs. Um, she at one point was the cashier at the MoMA. The most prescient thing I
1: think she said about that time too is that she actually moved from cashiering to working in the accounting department.
2: I just didn't know how am I going to get into the professional aspect because if you didn't belong in the union, you couldn't go to the union auditions. Mm-hmm. So it was, it actually, I went home after that first couple of years, I was working at the Museum of Modern Art and, and I ended up in the accounting department. And then they mm. came to me and they said, you know, maybe you want to study to be an accountant. And I thought, okay, wow, this is, I'm totally going in the wrong direction here. Yeah.
1: I have many friends who are actors who some of which treat acting as the main focus and everything else is a side job, and some of which have taken that right. advice and gone on and yeah, you know it's you have to it comes to a point where you when are you going to stop following your dreams? Right, and I, of course, being the the like glassy eyed optimist that I am, like always
0: follow your fucking dreams. Take a, a risk, f- take a chance, break away, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> um, but so there's an interview in New York Times. If, if you're subscribed to New York Times, I'm not saying you should be, but you should look up this interview. It's really good. It was for the magazine. Um, and if you're not subscribed, you get five free articles before they make you sign up. There you go, Gavin. Um, but she says, I'm not a stunning woman. I never was an ingenue. I've always just been a character actor. When I was younger, it was a real problem because I was never pretty enough for the roles that other young women were being cast in. The roles I was lucky enough to get were real stretches for me. Usually a character who was older or a little weird or whatever. And it was hard, not just for the lack of work, but because you have to face up to how people are looking at you. And you think, well, you know, I'm a real person. And that, and and when I kept reading it, she says she uses that in all of her acting. I think her most um, stunning and uh, memorable film roles are these women who have been hurt and, or these women who um, are uh, expressing this hurt um, you know, from, or, or there are women who have been hurt and have moved on. Um, I think, you know, Annie Wilkes is a good example of this. Um, You know, I think, and Dolores Claib- Claiborne is a good example of this. Uh You see, I mean, and even, even talking about, like, I didn't see Richard Jewell, but I saw the clips where she's in. This is a mother who has clearly been hurt. Yes. And she says a lot of, the she 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 it swirls up inside her you know from this imagine a lifetime of uh, a feeling like people look at me and they think a certain thing just because i look this way and if you can imagine you know she's a young woman and they're asking her to play like older deranged characters and i can also imagine that takes a toll on someone the and and what's
1: interesting, you know, she starts, but she does start this stage career. Yeah, yeah. And, and she really ends up taking off, um, doing. And
0: it was in the '80s. She yeah. was the New York Times called her one of the America's finest stage actresses. Um, in 1983, she was nominated for a Tony for uh, best actress in a play, um, and it was in *Night Mother*, which won the Pulitzer Prize that year. Yeah, and it's a two woman play. And she's playing a daughter who um, is telling her mom that she's going to commit suicide. And she has said that at the time, um, one of her friends had actually committed suicide.
3: The play, as I said, is so well crafted that you just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper with the work. Uh, When Anne and I first began working on a play at the American Repertory Theater in Cambridge, we felt we'd really gotten it all, Mm -hmm. you know, we were confident. And then we came back into a, so, a sort of short rehearsal period before we, we started on Broadway. And we were blown away by the the work was going to another deeper level and another deeper level. Um, I found curiously enough, because I've known people who've committed suicide or have attempted, and I've found in my work with the play that uh, to dwell on those people is a strange mistake for the character. And the fact is that most people who are suicidally depressed, uh, when they reach a state of calm and a state of happiness, that's when they're most likely to kill themselves. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I've tried to achieve in the character and uh, tried to stay away from the personal unhappiness that I might bring to the role or that anyone might bring to the role because it works against the work.
1: Not just her friend, she also experienced attempted suicide in her family. Her father uh, was, facing a operation and decided he was going to end his life. She said, as she's mentioned before, she was born to older parents, so their life was never easy. And her father actually attempted to kill himself, uh, did not succeed, It was in his 80s. And she had to go do this play every night.
2: When I did Night Mother, my father was quite old and had diabetes and he was facing an amputation and mm. he, he tried to commit suicide. And I remember, you know, I mean, how do you that give connection. a pep talk to a guy? He was born in 1900. So how do you give a pep talk to an 83-year-old mm. who doesn't want to live anymore? And he finally said he knew what the play was about. Mm. And it was about suicide. And he said, you know how I feel. You're going up there to do that play. Mm. So, you know, it was Always for me, from one role to the next, at the beginning, mm-hmm. that spiritual journey.
0: She says, I think with Night Mother, I danced too close to the flame. I became inflamed. It was such a scary, life-threatening experience for me that I never wanted to go back because the journey with there was long and arduous. Along with all these other things that I've been thinking about lately has been this sense. I have to go back to the flame that I have to immerse myself in the work. I think I've danced away a bit too far. So she, I mean, essentially what she's saying is, you know, it becomes, it, it consumed her. Yes. Yeah. This, this experience. Um, and I can just only imagine how difficult that must've been to do, you know, what, seven, eight times a week, or whatever. Um, and it's, it, and, and that was like her first kind of like big break on the, um, the theater scene, um, getting this work. And from there she started getting so many more things, you know, she was the original, um, in Terrence McNally's Frankie and Johnny and Claire de Lune. She won an obi award for that, which was just on Broadway again. Yes. With Audrey McDonald. Um, and she was on In the Road to Mecca, um, the morning after a summer heat, like it, or those are screens, sorry. But it's in the 80s is when she was really like right. this stage presence. Which is not to say that she didn't try film.
1: Uh, but film was never her goal. And she said that several times, like theater, theater is what she wanted to do. But she did do, you know, her first film appearance is in Milo Forman's Taking Off, where
0: she's credited as Bobo Bates. Did you watch this movie? I did not. I watched it and then realized, I knew that she was only in one scene. Yeah. And I was watching it. And I, I like, need to see it at some point. It's very weird. Yeah. Um, it's early Milo Forman and um she but it's funny so she said you know she when she was very young she was writing songs to deal with her depression but you know she said when she was a teenager she suffered from depression and she would write these like very melancholy like songs and i will say the song she sings is kind of stunning
3: i was born into a world full of angels and kings there was some place to grow and someone to be.
0: She said she was there for one day. She got paid $50. Um, but it is literally one scene. It's not, it's not really an acting role. She's sitting. The whole movie is like young girls are trying to get cast in a show. Yeah. And so she's sitting down playing her guitar and singing and people are just looking at her. Um, and that's it. And she wasn't on screen until uh, later in, what, 1978? 1978,
1: opposite Dustin Hoffman in Straight Time. And she has said several times Dustin Hoffman was so sweet to her.
2: And I'll always be so fond of Dustin because um, he's just an actor's actor. He literally took me by the hand and walked me across this empty soundstage and said, that's the camera and he was totally serious about it. He was so excited, I think, for me as uh, an actor having this first speaking role. I learned so much from him. I had followed his movies. He was so passionate and so excited still to be an actor.
1: But. Back on stage, as you were as you were saying, you know she gets famous for doing all these plays. Unfortunately, a lot of these plays transition to film, and they do not bring her along. They do not bring her along. She gets replaced in Crimes of the Heart with Diane Keaton, mm-hmm. Frankie and Johnny. She gets replaced with Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, are you seeing the threads? Yeah. here that you, the funny thing is, is I feel like the the actor we've talked the most about that's like this, somebody whose heart is. F- firmly in the theater, but then gets to go out and do films is Kate Blanchett. Mm. But the difference between Kathy Bates and Kate Blanchett is not talent. It's that Kate Blanchett looks like Kate Blanchett.
0: Right. Um, in this same interview <laughs> says, what was your first reaction when you heard that Michelle Pfeiffer was cast in Frankie and Johnny? She responds, I laughed hysterically. <laughs> <laughs> like it sucks. Yeah. It's, I mean, and I think, and at that same time, she says, so she's done all this theater work. Um, uh, well, real quick, the
1: only one director that did bring her along from his original play from a play to film is Robert Altman, who yes. brings her to screen <sighs> for Welcome Back to the Five and Dine, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean, which was your five star review I in know. our share episode. I fucking love
0: that movie so much. It's great. Um, yes, that is the one time. Um, and the movie, though, like it looks so tiny and yeah. like it is a stage show, um, but it's so good. Yeah. Um, she decides though, after over a decade in New York, fuck this. I keep seeing all these hot bitches take my roles and in Hollywood. And she's like, and I'm putting the work in. Like I, she is creating these characters. These um, playwrights are writing these roles for her. Yes, absolutely. And so all the, you know, interior and the reference points to these characters is her work. Yeah. It's
1: her putting them in. Right. Coming up with, you know, backstories and yeah. Yeah. And, and Crimes of the Heart, which was Beth Henley's debut play. Yeah. Um, which was a play we studied exhaustively in (laughs) my acting class. So like, and it's funny because there's really not any male roles, but I like know that play back
0: and forth. And she, and then a movie comes out and the lead was Sissy Spacek. Yeah. And, um, the movie came out, And like it was like a clonk, nothing. And so she decides, I'm gonna go to Hollywood. Um, And so she moves to LA um, to, and she's pushing for more screen roles. I also have to mention, she was also doing like little bit things here and there on TV. She was like in um, some soaps. Yeah, she that. She got to beat up Erica Kane in All My Children.
3: I just, because you're so superior. Well, I got news for you, honey. Get your nose down where it belongs, or I'll put it on the floor. Please don't threaten me. You telling me what to do.
1: I mean, when you're in a women's prison, what else are you going to do? Yeah.
0: Um, So she, this is when she starts getting some more screen things. So she gets um, The Morning After, Summer Heat, and in Dick Tracy. Super small part in Dick Tracy. Oh, yeah. She's just the stenographer. Right. Um, it is around this time, though, that she is in a, hold on, she's in a play in Hollywood. Um, and, um, the director, was it Rob Reiner? Robert, yeah, Rob Reiner, he sees her in this play in Los Angeles because his girlfriend is in the same show and he sees Kathy and he's about to start casting for Misery and he sees her and she's playing kind of like this, psycho woman character and he's like uh oh, well 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 what do we have here and um on the spot just offers it to her
1: yeah they had been going back and forth with bet midler mm-hmm. for a long time and bet midler was uh averse to some of the violence
0: and she has since said it is maybe one of her largest regrets i mean i fucking bet but also i bet well um i don't know if i could see bet midler Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it'd be I think it'd be too broad, pardon the pun. <laughs> uh yeah, she says uh he had se- Kathy he had Rob Ryan had seen Kathy Bates on stage in Los Angeles in Walt Sean's comedy Aunt Dan and Lemon, um, where she played an Oxford Don fixated on Henry Kissinger. Um her twisted passion in that role had suggested for her for Annie. Um and he says, plus she has that look of someone who's a fan, that eager, naive look. So this is 1990 now she's been in the industry for 10 years toiling away she's an unknown really like it, no one in hollywood knew who, like oh yeah you got a tony nomination but like, right. no one really knows who you are um the misery comes out though and it's that's it you know yeah. it's rocket number nine take me to your planet And she
1: put herself very much into the character of Annie Wilkes to the point where she began isolating herself Mm -hmm. during the making of the film. And Rob Reiner had to tell her, let this character go. When you're done with this film, you need to let Annie
2: Wilkes go.
3: The swearing, Paul. There, I said it.
2: Yeah, the profanity bothers you.
3: It has no nobility.
2: These are slum kids Uh, i was a slum kid everybody talks like that
3: they do not what do you think i say when i go to the feed store in town oh now wally give me a bag
2: of that effing pig feed and 10 pounds that bitchly cow corn and in the bank do i tell mrs bollinger oh here's one big bastard of a check give me some of your christing money there look there see what you made me do
0: she also has said, though, that when she was on, like, stage or on, on set, she, like, didn't know... Like, it was her first time on a big movie yeah. set, and they had given her, like, this whole big um, trailer, and she was like, I honestly was hanging out with the, like... Um, camera dudes. And
1: she had such a crush on the camera guy. I know.
0: And she, doesn't she say that? She's like, yeah. Yeah. and those like shots where it's just her looking down. Yeah, and she's like, I was just staring into his blue eyes. Uh huh. Oh, so good. Um, so, Misery obviously is just a huge, big, you know, uh, blockbuster. She wins the Academy Award for it.
3: And I would like to thank my friends watching from New York at the Sea Palace on Ninth Avenue. And uh, I would like to thank my, my family, my friends my mom at home, and my dad, who I hope is watching somewhere, I would like to say thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Suddenly, kind of like the same way that she's been typecast in on stage, it's like, oh, here it is again, but on the big screen. And she's one of the people that talks about the Academy Award
1: as both an incredibly, incredible positive achievement for herself, but also a bit of a curse mm-hmm. because she really felt the weight of the fact that she was not being cast unless it was an Annie Wilkes type after yeah. that. Yeah. Um,
0: but I will say she was very busy. Um, after misery, she immediately went to work in Brazil for the film at play in the fields of the Lord, which is. A crazy movie. It
1: is, and it's also very, almost nigh impossible to find.
0: But we found we it. We did, and we both watched it. We both watched it. I, I think it's a fascinating movie. It really is. It's, I mean, it's shot completely in Brazil. Yes. And the movie's just about, uh essentially, Christian yeah, missionaries. missionaries coming to, like, save the poor natives. Yeah. Um And uh at the same time, Tom Berenger in... Native
1: drag, he's hot. Yeah, but he's he so but he's also like playing. He's a little bit like he's playing a, an American In, native. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, indigenous person, which is a little weird. But he like joins one of the. He like goes native,
0: right? Joins one of the tribes. It's 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 such a fascinating movie yeah. because it's all about like there are three different camps at work who are trying to like what to do with these natives. And when we say natives, we mean like their own language, loincloth in the Amazon just like, like
1: when they meet Tom Barringer
0: they think he's a god. Right, right. He and so like there's his side where he's like oh fuck, I'm native also and like I've turned my back on my native roots and so he decides to parachute down to them and they're like oh you're a fucking sky god. Cool. Yeah. Um and Dang. he's trying to like save them. Spoiler he gives them the flu. Yes. Um <laughs> there's the Christians who want to save them by giving them Jesus but they are assholes? Yeah,
1: yeah. That I mean, th- my major problem with the movie—not that missionaries are assholes—I do think missionaries are assholes. Uh, <laughs> I I read a, a couple different p- places where they were like, Kathy Bates is amazing in the film, you know, and it's it's the same issue I've sort of had with with any movie where an actor starts at eleven, they don't have anywhere to go, yeah. and like within her first scene, she's already like slapping natives, yeah, and just being real nasty.
2: Shit, you. get out of here stop this vile disgusting you are sinners you are not married you sin against god what are you doing you should have seen him martin they were in front of it come
3: on martin i am not leaving you let's go these people need to be disciplined these people
1: are not so by the time that she like all the bad stuff that happens to her happens
0: i was just like well she's already nuts so like this is interesting though because I mean, Annie Wilkes in Misery is obviously a nuts character. Yeah. But right off the bat, she lets everyone know that she's willing to do whatever it takes for the shot. (laughs) She is nude in this movie, essentially. Um, She's like, she, her son dies. She goes kind of like, not just like crazy, but like delusional and like is losing it. She starts basically throwing mud on her face. She's naked, just like hooting and hollering. Um, And I was like, wow, she's. She really wanted to say, "I am not just the Annie Wilkes bitch, but I am crazy." <laughs> um, anyway, we don't have to talk more about that movie, but it's it's very it, fascinating. It's an
1: interesting both time capsule of a, of a '90s film, and actually rejects, I think, some of the some of the more problematic stuff of other '90s films dealing with similar subjects. Yeah. but also has
0: a whole other set of its own. The last thing I will say about it, though, is like it's the movie says. Uh, I think at the end, it's like the native guy who's faking to be native is an asshole. He's not a God. He's about a man. The Christian people are assholes because they are not like staying in their own lane. And then the military squad are also assholes because they just want to like wipe them from this earth. Right. And like the best answer is to leave and let be. And so it kind of like indicts everyone in this kind of big sweeping way that which I think is very, um, like you mentioned, different than other um white savior stories.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of Last of the Mohicans dance with wolves of that era that yeah. are like, not that message.
0: Um but she also stars in a more famous movie called Fried Green Tomatoes. Um and I had never seen this movie before. Um but it is so um like I don't know what the word is like heartwarming, sweet, like it's also just like so lesbianic.
1: Yes. It's based off a of Fanny Flag book and in the Fanny Flag book the lesbian relationship between two of the main characters is not even hinted at it's 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 a fact yeah in the film they removed all of that they they water it down but you know you know yeah Yeah. i mean the way they look the way right the actors are playing fight i mean is it was meant to be in the film to represent sex but like food fighting sex
0: but even the way that they look at each other the way that when she realizes that she's gonna get married like I was like, "Okay, hello,
1: lesbians." <laughs> uh, I I love fried green tomatoes. It was weirdly enough one of my dad's favorite movies. Um, I rewatched it. It has some '90s issues, oh, yeah. like it's a very '90s film. But I think both Kathy
0: Bates is really amazing, and I think jo- Jessica Tandy's really amazing in it. Um, Everything. I mean, what's incredible is like this is. I mean, God, these fucking stories about women who are just, like, trying to, like, do their own thing. Yes. Like, and it's, like, it's still relevant. And, and it's, I mean, this is a story within a story. She, yeah. This is a woman who's trying to basically get her husband to fuck her. Trying to, like, just have, like, a happy, fulfilled life. Yeah. And she's hearing stories about the past, about the same thing. You know, these women who are just trying to lead fulfilled lives and not have to do what these fucking men tell them to do.
3: This feels so useless. <laughs> So, so powerless. Everybody goes through that. But I c- can't stop eating. Every day I dry and try. And every day I go off. I hide candy bars all over the house. What a candy bar ain't gonna hurt you, none. One, no, but ten or eleven... I can't even look at my own vagina. Well, now, honey, I can't help you on that one. I wish I had the courage to just get it over with and get really fat. Oh, Miss Threadgood, I just... I'm too young to be old, and I'm too old to be young. Maybe I'm just going crazy.
0: And I was like, God damn, these are the movies that, like, really stand the test of time and, like, telling truths that yeah. we still don't understand. You know, people still don't um fucking get it. That's why Birds of Prey fucking didn't make enough money this weekend.
3: <laughs> God
1: damn it! Which is so funny because, honestly, and I know this is a sidetrack, it made back its own budget in the first weekend. And everybody's like, oh, huge bomb. No, that's not a huge bomb. Sorry. Go, Go fucking see, see it. it. It's amazing. Drink, Drink break. break. <laughs>
0: Delicious drinks for that performance. She got a BAFTA nomination in 95. No, she does Dolores Claiborne, which we live, we laugh, we love. I rewatched this movie and it is so soul satisfying. Yeah, from head to toe. It's the only thing I guess that I like thought about this time was like, wow, those main accents are really popping off. Yeah, Um, as she said, Stephen King himself was
1: like, don't don't. do it. Don't." Don't. And she said, bitch, I might. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, I do love everything about that movie. I I think her performance is perfect. I I think having to deal with the multiple different timelines, the changing of timelines. She worked with a physical, like... Mm Uh, Like a physical coach. A physical coach, yeah, to teach her how to move like a younger person, how to sound like a younger person.
2: You see her when she's in her 40s and then later on when she's at the end of this very hard life in her 60s. I had a fantastic movement coach because we wanted to figure out the difference in the spine, the difference in the hands, the difference in the movement in a younger woman and a woman who's been on her knees taking care of things, and also I know from getting older that because you're used to doing things, you have a shorthand when you're cooking or doing, well, I don't cook, but we wanted that. We wanted the difference in the hands. It was what I had studied to do, uh, was create a whole character like that. It was an amazing experience to work together on all this and and we had a good long time to do it
1: like i really think that this was her filmic role that she threw herself the most into she says that she thinks that
0: that movie deserves more um praise and you know yeah um, representation in her canon than uh people give it um notice yeah and and that's what's fucking like as i was watching this again i was like why are there not drag queens doing like monologues to this (laughs) yeah because there are i mean we, Vera. I, I Vera, we, we did this in our old episode. Go listen to the Seeding King episode when I say roll the track because <laughs> sometimes all a woman have left is to be a bitch. Yeah, okay? exactly. like
1: Sometimes it's, being a bitch is all a woman has left to hold on to.
0: Accidents happen every day, <laughs> Dolores. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so
1: good. Just to recap and in the quickest way possible. Uh, Dolores Claiborne is a, about a woman who is uh a maid to an, an elderly rich woman who dies and they think Dolores Claiborne has killed her and the police come and she, she calls her daughter to come back home, her daughter who has not spoken to her for years because she feels like she drove her father off, mm-hmm. little did she know her father was incredibly abusive and it just goes from there
3: I spent the day with the people at the bank turns out you weren't supposed to do that, lie to them Make them break their rules. What? What are you going to do? I got all that money given right back to me in cash.
1: And it's unlike any other Stephen King uh, novel. Stephen King wrote it with her in mind because he saw Misery.
0: Uh, It's so good. Yeah. It's just so juicy. Um, and she's really fucking good in it. J- yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee's really good in it. The guy who's the abusive husband, who is the guy in Passion Fish, Yeah. Who we keep seeing everywhere. I don't know who his name is. David Strathern? Sure. <laughs> what a weird last name. Strathern? <laughs> He's great. He's really great. He's great. great. So uh, that movie doesn't get as much no. notice as it should have. Um, she gets a Saturn Award nomination. Yes. Um, the 22nd Saturn Awards. Thank
1: you. Okay.
0: <laughs> Um, in 1995, she began um directing.
1: Yes, which I like. I feel like most people don't realize this. Kathy Bates is a director. Yeah, she's done several TV shows. Um, anything from you know Homicide, Life on the Streets, uh, NYPD Blue. She did an episode of Great Performances for PBS. Six Feet Under. Six Feet Under. She did multiple episodes of, and she starts doing this really early on in her career. And I, I definitely think you know she's not seen as you know, a female
0: director, Mm -hmm. but she is, but she is, um, she, in 96, she gets her first Emmy award nomination for outstanding supporting actress in a miniseries or a movie for her performance as Jay Leno's manager in the late shift. I thought the guy who plays Jay Leno showed a lot of restraint. Yes. Um, I don't think he was particularly good, but he certainly wasn't trying to do like this obvious, um, you know, caricature. Um, I think this the Letterman performance is fucking incredible. But even beyond that, I think Kathy Bates is kind of a goddamn queen. Like, she's oh. she's
1: amazing in the film, but I will say this with the writing of the script and and they make sort of a joke at the end of it where they say like she didn't participate in the, the woman she's playing didn't participate in the making of the film. Yeah. She tried to sue the the people that the wrote the book. They do cast her a bit she's- as a like a harpy like she's
0: the villain yeah and, and it's as as i was watching this with my 2020 eyes i was like i imagine this woman uh, an agent in hollywood yeah in like the mid-90s trying to do anything yeah she had to be that way and i'm sure there were men who were the same fucking way and got away with murder yeah um but essentially she's this agent and she uh essentially found jay leno brought him all his fame and glory and, but she was cutthroat. She was not fucking around. She was ready to fucking stomp on dicks and she did. And eventually um, she NBC, gets punished for yeah, it. NBC and Jay Leno said, fuck you, go away. Yeah. And, um, and she's really amazing in this, in this movie. If you have HBO go, it's available. Watch it. Um, let's see. You know, that role also got her a golden globe award win. Um, all sprinkles of fun <laughs> nominees and awards for her. Um, in 1987, um, in her highest earning movie, um, she's in Titanic, y'all. She plays the unsinkable Molly Brown. Hello. I don't know how much we have to
1: say about that. I mean, it's very much a supporting role. Molly Brown famously, like, you know, was like, turn these light boats around. We need to save people. And, um... She the the thing that I remember the most is the dinner scene. I always, yep. whenever I yep. have multiple forks at my table, I always think work outside from the in. outside yeah. in. Um, but fun- yeah,
0: she's really funny in the movie and very good. What's funny is like later on when she does a Revolutionary Road. I think the only thing I remember from her like press tour, she's like, "Oh, it was so lovely to be hanging out with Leo and Kate again." <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's like, "It's been what ten years?" Like <laughs> oh. um, in nineteen ninety eight, she does Primary Colors, which we talked about in our Emma Thompson episode. Uh I
1: rewatched this. I didn't watch it for Emma Thompson. I had seen it years ago. I rewatched it for this.
0: This yeah. is now the second time I've watched this movie for this podcast. And I will say when I first watched it, I didn't quite like it. And it might have just I don't know. This time I watched it and Well now we're fully in an election season. We're an so. election season. Um and it might have just been because I was focusing more on her and less on like the first time, I don't think Emma's very good at it, I'll be honest. Well, I and that's what I was thinking like Emma Thompson and John Travolta are basically playing Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton. Yeah. And I was watching them most of the time in the first movie. And I just think they're not great people. Yeah. <laughs> um, And in this um, watch, she reminded me so much of... Do you know if she's based on... Um, she's based on two people. Who's she, she based on? She's based on... Hold on. Is see. that
1: Molly Ivins? Libby Holden is the campaign chief of staff. And she's based on both Betsy Wright and Vince Foster who is the person that people have spent years creating the conspiracy
0: theory? Oh, that they Hillary right, Clinton yeah, yeah right, right. And Bill had Clinton killed.
1: had killed right.
0: because he killed himself. It reminded me so much, though. Of I just watched this documentary on Hulu called uh, "Raising Hell: The Life and Times of Molly Ivins," and she was this Southern, brassy, shit-talking, you know, woman who went for the jugular for these like male politicians, and it reminded me so much of her. And I love. So I I liked this movie the second time around more just because focusing in on her character she is like the heart of so the one like gleaming good person in right. this like shit storm of politics
1: and it's so funny too because she you know in her earlier scenes you're like god she's so hard you know she's this she's this lesbian who like comes in and talks shit and gets everything done and you realize like she's, she's a crusader. Yeah. She's doing the things that she thinks are right. right. But if she's challenged on those things, if it starts to cross over into something that she believes is morally wrong, it yeah. falls apart for her.
3: I don't think there's anything of use here. <laughs> you got to be kidding. No, I meet my standards. What on earth do you mean? I mean, Madame, Henry and I don't think the use of this material is proper. We have a moral objection. And I have a historical beef.
2: Oh, come on, Livy.
3: why would you go out
2: and get it if you weren't going to use it? Susan was right. He could have been a real shit. I didn't think he would be, and he isn't, but he could have been. But Jackie, my dearest, you're off the fucking point. The point is we don't do this sort of thing. Oh, I'll be relentless busting dust and guarding your ass. I'd have even blown Randy Culligan's weenie off for you. Well, maybe I would have. But this is something else again. This is hurting someone else. This sucks.
0: That was a test. I wanted to see how they reacted, and they failed it. They're bad people now. Um, And then she dies. And then she dies. Um, So primary colors,
1: yeah. Did you, like, think? I did. I actually really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I think um, last time when it came to uh, the Emma Thompson episode, I still think, like, it was raw enough that I didn't want to – I didn't really want to watch a – Version of Bill and Hillary um, on that I was just like,
0: like we live in such a terrible. I mean, when I watched the, I I think when I watched it, I was like, I don't like this movie because it's so cynical (laughs) about politics. I was like, what is the answer? This movie is just like everything sucks. Yeah, and everybody's bad. Yeah, and this time around, watching it, focusing on her, really like kind of like sucks. I was like, not everybody's bad, but it will destroy them. But it will destroy (laughs) them. Yeah, it just like soothed my heart a little bit. Yeah. Um thank you, Kathy Bates, for soothing my heart. Uh you know, she does uh some guest work on
1: Third Rock and the Sun. She gets nominated for uh outstanding guest actress for that. And she gets nominated for outstanding directly directing in a miniseries or a movie for her work on Dash and Lily, mm-hmm. which is a Dashel Hammett, Lillian Hellman biopic. Um, not the Dash and Lily like young adult novel series, apparently, which is some sort of Netflix thing as well. I googled it. And I was like, I don't know what this is. I'm, I'm too like, old. I'm like, send me the link, Evan. Thank <laughs> you so much. Um, in 2000, she received another Emmy Award nomination for playing Miss Hannigan in mm. Disney's version of
0: Annie. We get to 2002. And I'm interested in um, some discourse on this movie. She gets her um, third Academy Award nomination. Is this her third award nomination? Um, for Best Supporting Actress for About Schmidt never seen this movie before in my life
1: I hadn't either it's the only Alexander Payne movie I'd never
0: seen decided to watch it and I was like huh what the fuck's going on here I this movie to me was just a lot of like nothing yeah Alexander Payne's kind of the king of the older
1: I get the more I feel this he's kind of the king of don't white people have it hard I mean, he's. What are the other movies he's done? He did Sideways. He did The Descendants. He did. I like The Descendants. I like The Descendants. I yes. like Nebraska. 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 Like, cute. Yeah. The that's not so like condescending. It's cute. He did Election, which is a movie I love. Yes.
0: So you know, this is this. I I I was waiting for some plot to happen. I could not believe that the entire plot is literally that Jack Nicholson is sad and frustrated at life yeah and that's it i'll be honest though he gives
1: a great performance in the movie and i think part of it is is that he's always like an intense sort of like people want the jack nicholson they want either the like sly rude jack nicholson as good as it gets or they want the crazy shining jack nicholson and this
0: movie he was like a normal frustrated person it was so God, I mean, the only word I can think of is white. Like, yes. imagine like framing an entire movie about around sending money to an African child, right? And and
1: like being so delusional to write all your, you know, because he clearly has no one to talk to, he right. writes all these
0: problems to this child who can't even fucking read. I know. And the ending of it, spoiler, is just like this Nigerian woman um, being like, "None, yeah, none. just yeah. just being like, we appreciate all the money you're sending." Yeah bye like whatever and i was like that's it yeah talking about kathy bates in this movie she's most famous because she's nude in this movie yeah um and not a little nude uh, fully nude a lot of nude <laughs> and i was reading something like her comedic performance in about schmidt and i was like what are you talking about she has one scene where she's naked getting into a hot tub and then makes a pass at jack nicholson where he, like, quickly scurries off. Yeah. The other thing that people don't really bring up about that scene is he's on,
1: she's essentially drugged him because he's on a ton of painkillers. Oh, right. (laughs) And so, like, he's not fully in his facilities either.
2: Oh, and of course, it goes without saying, you'll come with us to our time, Sheriff, in Breckenridge. It'll just be you and me while the kids are out on the slopes.
3: Here we are. A divorcee and a widower. Sounds like a perfect match
0: to me. I thought her role is kind of insignificant. Yeah. Could not believe. I mean, she's
1: the mother-in-law. Well, she's the mother of the man his daughter is marrying that he hates for no discernible reason, I'll be honest. He just thinks he's a loser. He thinks
0: he's a loser. I mean, I didn't look up who else was nominated that year, but I was like, there were no other performances worthy of nominations. But they saw Kathy Bates naked and said... Give her a fucking nom.
1: Uh, when she was asked about it, she said in Hello Magazine, people either laugh or cheer. I was at the premiere and there was a lot of women who were shouting, you go, girl. I think there are a lot of women in the audience who are thrilled to see a real woman up on
0: the screen in all of her glory. Which, honestly, I stand. I live. Great for her. I love that she is out there doing that. I just don't know if like that is worth... The nomination. No, I didn't like the movie. Okay. Oh no, I, it, I, I said it. I didn't like it either. Oh, um, in the 2000s though, yeah. she as in uh, she 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 enters the Tucci zone. Okay, yeah, she is everyone's mom. She she
1: shows up in Rumor Has It mm-hmm. in like a scene. She plays Matthew
0: McConaughey's dad in Failure Launch. Mom. She plays the mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, she plays the dad. She's yeah, a, she's incredible. She, she is. She's incredible. So versatile. Um, she's in P.S. I Love You, The Day That I Stood Still, The Blind Side, Valentine's Day. Um, what's the other movie that I watched? The other rom-com? Oh, it's a little bit like Heaven with, um, with Kate Hudson. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. I didn't watch it. I kept seeing it pop up. I
0: watched it. Again, a very weird, fascinating movie. The movie that's trying to talk about death. And that, like, it's okay. Yeah, but doesn't really like land. But I thought it, it was, was quite... a failure to launch. It was a said. failure to launch. I it got very bad reviews, but I did think it was quite romantic. So. Can
1: we talk about the little mystery in this in this time period just real quick? Okay. In two thousand six, she directs her first feature film with Melanie Griffith. It's called Have Mercy. Okay. I couldn't find anything about this movie except for one interview where she mentioned it. It's clearly a film that got made. Did this film never come out? I I, think it never came out.
0: Yeah, I mean, even on Wikipedia, it says there is no page for this movie. Yeah. Um, There is a mystery. We need Shelby Wu on the case.
1: Yeah, exactly. If any of you have, like, a work print of Have Mercy or something, I would love to see it. Please.
0: uh I am a Kathy Bates completist. (laughs) In 2008, we mentioned she's in Revolutionary Road playing um the realtor who sells them their yeah. house i'd never seen this movie Saw it. The, I was like okay
1: i love that she in an interview talked about uh sam mendes showed her uh, yes, michael shannon's yes. audition tape and she's like oh
0: fuck we're gonna have to work a little harder <laughs> Yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> she was like he was too good yeah uh she also plays uh gertrude stein in midnight in paris uh which is her second woody allen
1: yes um first being shadows and fog yes uh I didn't see that one. I didn't no. see either of them, honestly. Shadows and Fog is a very small role. Midnight in Paris, it's a it's a larger role,
0: but She did say though that her first collaboration with Woody Allen she did not like. Yeah. Um This is the time when she starts um directing Six Feet Under. She did ten
1: episodes. Yes. As well as guest starring in those episodes. Yes. Uh she didn't she didn't only guest star in episodes that she directed. So just mix that around the the many seasons of
0: She, um, also did a Lifetime movie. She was in it and directed it called Ambulance Girl. In 2006. Um, we'll get to that later. Um, she also, maybe most iconically to teens who are finding her on, um, Netflix, but maybe not anymore, um, she was on The Office. Yes. As the, the, um, she was, like, what, the interim manager, owner of. Joe Bennett. Yeah, um. And she, and she talked in an interview. She's
1: like, oh, those people were such professional comedians. I really had to step my game up. And I think that's, oh, ridiculous. I she know. She's very funny. I was those, like, girl,
0: yeah. you just stepped up your southern accent and, and like really just had a ball.
1: Yeah. Um, She's great in it. She also did two seasons of a legal drama for David E. Kelly called Harry's Law. When I tell you, I have seen every episode of Harry's Law. No. Yeah. Why? Because I loved it. Really? Yeah.
0: She's, I, I remember her saying she was really sad when it was canceled.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a, I can't remember the full circumstance because I watched it when it was on. Uh But You watch this
0: TV live? Yes. A yeah. must see
1: TV. She is a, a lawyer who inherits a shoe shop. And so she's doing her law practice uh-huh. out of the shoe store. Let me tell you, the other lead in the show was Brittany
0: Snow. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you got to follow <laughs> <laughs> Harry's law. <laughs> In 2012, she um, snatches a trophy uh, for a guest appearing on Two and a Half Men.
1: Yeah, she played Charlie Sheen in a dream sequence in which he comes back to life from being in hell because he'd been fired from the show, and his punishment in hell is that he's forced to be Kathy Bates, essentially.
2: Answer me this What are your five favorite words to hear from a woman? I can't spend the night. <laughs> understand are, are you reincarnated or something no i'm in hell <laughs> walking around in this old broad's body is supposed to be some kind of eternal damnation <laughs> you know what the joke's on them boobs are still boobs
0: <sighs> rude
2: <laughs> so
0: nasty so that deserves the award the, thank gosh, if I, I at least got an emmy for that yeah in 2013, she, um, starts, um, her American Horror Story. Yeah. Her run saga. I love that she keeps
1: referring to it in interviews as sort of like a theater troupe, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, and she talked about the fact that like you got assigned a role. Mm-hmm. You know, she signed on for the first season knowing who she was playing. But after that, for the season she kept coming back for, Ryan Murphy
0: would just assign her a role. She says that. Ryan Murphy resurrected her career, which yeah. I think she's selling herself short. Absolutely, um, I think he's got some sort of weird yeah.
1: Ryan Murphy. Everybody knows how we feel about him. She, right. in her Emmy speech, forgot to thank him. He clearly made her feel bad about it, and the Dick. less, yeah, the less said about Ryan Murphy, the better. But
0: I also forgot to mention she worked with Adam Sandler on the iconic Water Yes, she said it's the only script she threw out. She read twelve
1: pages. She doesn't understand football at all, and she threw it away. And her niece came in and was like. Like, what's this? And she's like, oh, some Adam Sandler thing. She was like, Adam Sandler, SNL, the Hanukkah song, don't you? And she made her pick it up and read it again. And she said it's still one of the most fun she's ever had making a movie.
0: That came out in 1998. And she's so good in it. Yeah. She's so good. Genuinely, yeah. Bobby Boucher. Like, <laughs> I mean, and- you're going to school? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're the devil. Like, I the mean- foosball. <laughs> Here's what's what's amazing about her and tragic about a lot of Adam Sandler's career, Adam Sandler and his movies, when they were very good, were literally making memes before memes were memes. Yeah. You know, like, there was a time when people were going around being like, that's the devil. Like, all of that, like, was just viral before virality was even... A thing.
2: The chickens are coming home to roost, Bobby Boucher. You reap the fruit of your selfish ways. You're going to lose all your fancy foosball games. And you're going to fail your big exam because school is... The devil? <gasps> Everything is the devil to you, mama!
0: And she's so... And, and I, I rewatched that movie and I was like, this movie still fucking slaps. I remember loving it when I was a kid. Um, and I still love it. It's it's truly one of Adam Sandler's best. Um, which is saying something. Um, so we're kind of like in current, you know, so she, she's doing American horror story. Um, she has a Netflix show called disjointed where she's playing an owner of a dispensary Um, that lasted two seasons. seasons. She was on the base of sex that came out, um, I think last year. Yeah. Uh, Still sort of in her stanley tucci era right totally so yeah we get to basically now where she's she had uh on the basis of sex and then this year um or last year she had um, richard Jewell, uh which kind of catches us up um really quickly to dive into her personal life uh she was married to tony campisi for six years um they played um Across each other in, um, Freddie and. Frankie and Johnny. Frankie and Johnny. Yeah, at the Claire de Yes. Or in the Claire de Um, her activism work, she, uh, you know, released a video with the Human Rights Campaign. Um, she has certainly said in many interviews that she loves, um, her LGBT family. Oh, absolutely. Um, she is really at the forefront of, um, so we, we mentioned she battled ovarian cancer earlier. Um, she also and, had, and breast cancer. Yeah, she also had a double mastectomy, um, as she was fighting breast cancer. And she's
1: very open about it. And that's one of the things that I love is I don't think people should be afraid to talk about health stuff. Yeah. At all. In any way, shape, or form. She
0: has such a great platform. And, and so especially, she become the face of lymphedema. Yes. Um, because when she was going through all this cancer surgery stuff, they had to take out her lymph nodes.
2: I had ovarian in 2003 and breast 2010, God. 12. And, uh, by the way, the BRCA gene, I'm sure a lot of you ladies have heard of it, uh, I tested negative, and so, ain't a get out of jail free card, yeah. I just want to put that out there, you know, um, but yeah, and then I got something called lymphedema, I don't know if you've heard of it, but you know, for cancer, they remove lymph nodes, I don't care, anywhere in your body, if your lymph system is damaged, at, oftentimes the fluid will back up in the affected limb, Oh, and you swell, so I became national spokesman uh, for the Lymphatic Education and Research Network. Um, it's estimated that 10 million people in this country suffer with it. Wow! That's more than ALS, muscular dystrophy, MS, Parkinson's, and AIDS combined. I adore my doctor, my surgeon, he saved my life. Um, but his focus was on curing me of cancer. Yes. You know, they follow you maybe 90 days after that, and so the quality of life is not something that they look at. It's just not on their radar.
0: She's talked to Congress about this. She's um, the chairperson for a research network. She will lobby on at Capitol Hill. She's um, you know really. I mean, if you just type in her name for podcasts on the Apple Store, more than I'd say ninety percent of her podcast um, episodes are health related. Yeah, and she's really getting the word out about you know. Um, if you're going through a battle with cancer, um, to know the risks if you're gonna get your lymph nodes removed and how to really battle that, she says to this day when she's on set, sometimes she'll wear compression sleeves. She, you know, when we said she's 71 years old. She is. She said it is very hard for her to uh, really deliver at the level that she thinks is appropriate and good. Um, she especially says doing films are way more difficult. She loves. A rehearsal. She loves, you know, really d- getting into text. She loves creating stories that you don't even see on screen.
2: I don't think it's me that's changed so much as the business. Hmm. Um, it's so fast now, um, and it's been maybe a decade or so. Uh, I had rehearsals with Mike Nichols for Primary Colors. Mm-hmm. It's very rare that producers will pay for rehearsal time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's very frustrating for me because coming from the theater, I don't know if you feel the same way. I like a lot of rehearsal mm-hmm. and it's so fast. And sometimes you don't get the script until a few days before, they'll change it a day before. Right. And as I'm getting older, it's harder, you know, to, to really, uh, uh, hold on to that. You get only a one or two takes cause they're moving so fast mm-hmm. and I'm not as I'm not as proud, I hate to say that word, but I'm not, let me use a different word. Uh, Sometimes when I see a certain scene, it's not up to my standards.
0: She's still, she says, she's like, I've lost all this weight. I have to like make sure and be really focused and healthy and taking care of myself. Because I think for a long time, she was putting so much of herself into her work and it was to the detriment of herself. yeah and I, I i i wouldn't like dare to know what's going on in her head but just from the interviews she has given and the roles she's taken on I feel like she beats herself up a lot yeah um and i i think um especially in the arts and something that's so physically demanding like you know if you're an actor like same way if you're a dancer like your body is everything you you are giving yourself to the art body and soul and when you are Hurting yourself that way, same place like as an as an athlete, yeah. you know, like you are limiting how much you can do, um, and so, yeah. Who knows what's next for her? But I feel that's a very good. Is there anything else you want to? No, I think bring that's up? a perfect place to end the rewind, and let's move
1: into our one star reviews. So, <laughs> Miss Bates has has been through quite a few bad roles, Mm -hmm. let's say. Um, And one of the things I like is, I think she's a, I think she's a studier. And I think she like, as you said, you know, she gives herself body and soul over to these performances. I think she's just not always hitting the right notes or, or maybe, and this is once again, we're no one to critique Kathy Bates,
0: but (laughs) I am nothing.
1: Yeah, Exactly. But I do think sometimes, it, like, she is in, to her detriment, she's giving a good performance in uh, a different film than the than the films she's in.
0: Yeah. There certainly were some standouts, but, and I feel very bad I, saying this. I know what you're going for. That's why I wanted you to go first. But it has to be 2005's Ambulance Girl. Yeah. Her it's lifetime film. Her lifetime film that she directed. Yeah. I watched this movie. It's free on Tubi right now. Yeah, Tubi. What a good resource. Who knew? (laughs) Who knew? I mean, there are Disney original films that have a higher budget than this type of movie. Like it's that's this is the this is
1: the one thing I'm gonna let you say your piece. And I didn't. I was gonna wait for you. This is the one thing I will say. I've, I've, Gavin, as an editor. Yeah. What did you think? Thank you. What did you think about this movie, honey? I have, I have worked on low budget things. Not like this, but low-budget pieces. I have worked with networks for a very long time. I know these movies are not funded very well. I know that they don't really get their first choice of actors, necessarily. They kind of get who they want. Even when you attach a name like Kathy Bates, you still have to work within a budget. I'm very hesitant to criticize the people who normally direct these lifetime movies because I think they do their job for what with what's given to them. But yes, this movie is very, very bad and everybody's very, very bad in it. And like to the point where like, oh goodness, there is some transitions in this movie that are literally like flip yeah, flip the screen like like iMovie-esque. Yes. Like somebody edited in a weekend the music i was like music. someone got a midi keyboard out yeah exactly it was like oh you couldn't couldn't even afford a killer tracks login darling yeah like yeah
0: there's free music available on wikimedia commons guys like what the fuck is going on um ambulance girl is a movie that is based on a novel a best-selling novel if you will about a woman in her midlife and she decides to she wants to change careers she's a yeah. she's a food writer with her husband she has a lot of anxieties a
1: lot of uh hypochondria yeah and she um oh the uh, airplane scene the cheapest airplane ever. yeah in yeah my life.
0: and she you know thinks oh i love helping people maybe i'll be an, a volunteer emt and it just like turns into wacky antics yeah. of like Old fat lady who's trying to become an EMT. They're like, you can't carry things, and then like cut to her like dropping mannequins and like
1: at at the the same time, it is also a marriage melodrama yes. about the ending of her relationship with her husband yeah or maybe not even ending in no, the end in the end not like liter- end. literally at one point like the, the the tension builds in a way that doesn't make any sense like there is no tension and suddenly she's telling her husband she hates him it's like pulling teeth to get you to pay attention
2: oh get over yourself you are so full of yourself oh, uh, where, where do you think you're going i'm oh, not getting in the car you Poor Michael. All these years I've been on your back, nothing but this huge neurotic weight around your neck. No, no,
0: not all these years. Just since I've been sober.
2: And now that I'm not, you can't handle it. Now you know what it feels like. This is about getting back at me? You can't handle that I don't need you like that anymore. No, what I can't handle is the fact that I've lost my partner and not just my writing partner. You're right.
0: I can't handle that.
1: I was like, whoa, this is 0 to 60 without in 3.5. Yeah,
0: the the writing is so subpar. Nothing could save this. Not no. even Kathy Bates. And I no. and I even think Kathy's not good. Yeah. I think she I she clearly can do comedy, like we yeah. have all seen The Waterboy, but this is it does not know what it wants to be. The the tone is <laughs> insane there's a scene where she has to rescue a dog from a pool and she like whoa flips into the pool yeah it's and there's a scene where like it's her first time let's rewind she they only show us her being horrible at all of her classes she's awful she's dropping shit she can't do the things she can't
1: it's like, it's like she's in an infomercial for any product
0: yeah yeah <laughs> she's like, Bla, blah, blah, blah. like i can't pour this soda and, like, like, <laughs> and the guy who's like leading the session they cast him and, and they basically were like um imagine like an emt but you're like a fucking military general yeah because he's yelling yeah and like i was like sir you're an emt not right. a fucking like you're not at war so they show her being very bad at everything and then like the letter comes in and she's like oh i passed and i'm like yeah how? <laughs> there was no progression to like her storyline of like, oh, I'm actually, maybe I'm not the strongest, but my skills are very good at like communicating or whatever. No, none of that. The first time they call her out, she like is hurting the patient. Yes. Was like <laughs> Like the patient is literally like,
1: ow. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was like, this woman and they want us to root for this woman? Like, no, she is incompetent. Um... Yeah,
1: and and I just don't. It's, it's so funny because she tries to quit, and I feel like she tries to quit multiple times
0: in the film. They're just like,
1: "No, you, you should just yeah, stick with you gotta
0: it. stick with it. You're gonna get better." And I was like, "Um, I don't know. You can get better at picking yeah. things up." You're like, "Let her quit." Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just hard because as I was watching this, like, man, she directed this, and like, some of the like the close-ups were awful. Like, I was like, the mise en scène. I was like, there is nothing about. There's no point of view no. perspective it's just the most vanilla nothing of a movie yeah. uh she's not good in and i could see her playing a woman having a midlife crisis and wanting to change her life around yeah has i anxieties. mean she's done it
1: many times before i mean, she's for the last 20 years of her career she's yeah. been doing it
0: yeah this is a woman that i do not know and do not care to know yeah um which is unlike a lot of yeah. the role she plays
1: what about you gavin I mean, I 100% think you're right, and the only my only thing keeping me from picking it as my one-star review, that you know, I would maybe give it a one and a half mentally, is the everything I talked about. I've I've worked on productions mm-hmm, like this. Mm-hmm. I know it's really hard, and I don't envy anybody attached to it. But I will say. Uh, when it comes to a higher budget film, uh, there was a film in 2002 called Unconditional Love. Mm. This was a film made in 1999 with PJ Hogan, who is the man who directed Muriel's wedding and my best no friend's way. wedding. So like, clearly a good film director. <laughs> Movies I like a lot. Um, it sat on a shelf from 1999 to 2002 because nobody wanted to release it. It finally came out, uh, Unconditional Love, Kathy Bates plays, uh, a housewife, they, I guess, like, her husband seems to be pretty well off. Her The first scene is her husband, played horribly by Dan Aykroyd, oy, oy, oy. announces that he's leaving her uh, while she's trying to win tickets to her favorite singer, Victor Fox, pu- doing a public appearance, played by Jonathan Price. Um He ends up leaving her. She still wants these tickets. She goes to this public appearance. Victor Fox doesn't show up. Why doesn't Victor Fox show up? Why? Because he's killed by a serial killer who fires crossbows at people. So she's- Is this a comedy? Yes, it's a comedy. That's, I was going to wait to reveal that. She decides to fly to England and through antics gets involved with who she thinks is his valet. Uh, played by Rupert Everett, but turns out is his gay lover, Dirk Simpson. Um, you know, she, she meets his sister, played by Lynn Redgrave, and, you know, chaos ensues from there. Um, Meredith Eaton, uh, plays Maudie in it, who's her daughter in law. Meredith Eaton is a little person, and she's very good in this role, and I, and I like her a lot, and weirdly, she's the only right spot in the film however in the first season season in the first scene they decide to let her play the like stop staring at me stop this card and i was just like what the fuck am i watching (laughs) yeah um but yes uh she befriends rupert everett who's like uh kind of a stiff british guy like who doesn't want anything to do with her because she's a fan and they eventually track down the serial
0: killer and are you saying that this guy's number one fan and gay lover form the dynamic dude that brings down the serial killer? Yes. Right. And the serial
1: killer also, spoiler alert because nobody should watch this movie, even though it's free on YouTube, is Peter Sarsgaard, who is uh also happens to be Kathy Bates' window washer. This this movie is supposed to have sort of the antics of a Blake Edwards film, sort of like a Pink Panther, you know, Victor Victoria, like, high camp.
0: It reminds me so much of the Emma Thompson movie that I fucking hated. The, like, one where it's her and James Bond and, like, the jewels, right? Yes, yeah. That type of level of, like... Yeah, and that's what it's supposed to be.
1: So much so that Kathy Bates, when she's flying over to England... She doesn't realize who it is because she's wearing a, a face mask, but she's sitting next to Julie Andrews, who's playing herself. And there's too much turbulence, and Julie Andrews storms into the cockpit and then sings "Getting to Know You" to the to the uh, plane to calm everybody down.
3: Rushing, I'm sorry, I sing when I'm
2: nervous. Oh, that's all right. You have a lovely voice.
3: Thank you. When I was a girl, I dreamed of becoming a singer. Isn't that silly? Well,
2: not at all. I had exactly the same dream. Why doesn't the captain say something?
3: We need to be reassured. Oh, actually, I enjoy a bit of turbulence. It reminds me that I'm flying.
1: Problem is especially when we're talking about Kathy Bates' performance as Grace Beasley, is she is playing this role for Pathos. So she is never funny once. Oh my god. She thinks she's still doing fried green tomatoes in this film.
0: Even though the Julie Andrews
1: is in this movie? playing herself. It's bad all around. Kathy didn't you know, get the bit. No, Jonathan Price, like in his like few scenes, mincing about. Um, Jonathan Price, one of the two
0: popes. Yes,
1: exactly. He's the gay singer that she loved so much. Oh my god! And Dan Aykroyd's terrible in this film. Rupert Everett is cl- clearly barely wants to be there. Yeah. But Kathy Bates the most because she's playing everything. In this sort of simpering, midlife crisis very much similar to Ambulance Girl, this woman who's just like, I don't I don't know what to do with my life, and I can't really get it together. And yet, she's also, you're expected to believe that she has herself enough together that she can, like, plan this trip to England to go to his funeral and, like, hunt down a serial killer. Right. That's the one thing that's gonna yeah. make me get off the couch. Yeah, I mean, it's very clear as to why this film was held back from release. But I will say, all the YouTube comments on the person that uploaded it were like, I love this movie. Wow. This is one of my five favorite movies. Wow. Big fan. You know, taste is subjective. The Annie Wilkes of (laughs) Kathy Bates. But Unconditional Love from 2002, knee, 1999,
0: is not very good. It's funny, so there's like that... That realm of movies in the late 90s, early aughts, that it feels like she's, like, in failure to launch, and just a touch of heaven, or whatever the fuck that movie's called. Uh, Unconditional Love. I have to mention Relative Strangers. Did you watch this? I did. I will give it this. Tell me. I would rather watch Relative
1: Strangers than watch Richard Jewell again. And 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 I will say this. As bad as that movie is, it is real bad relative what, strangers I, yeah relative strangers don't know what Danny DeVito is doing um what either of them are doing what do e- you but, but Kathy Bates is so committed to that bad oh, character oh, she's committed to the bit here. She, yeah I I will give her that I when I was watching it I was like you know what this movie is really bad but I will watch Kathy Bates deliver any bad line in this film this movie it
0: wants to be meet the is so yes, bad absolutely um Nev Campbell is here for some reason <laughs> Canada's own Nev Campbell. Poor Nev. Poor Nev. I mean, yeah. Nev's great. Yeah. Not here. She's miscast here. The whole premise of this movie is garbage.
3: Frank Manure, you must be our son. How the hell are you?
2: How the hell are you? This is quite a moment for us.
3: And you must be Frank Jr. Frank Jr.?
2: That's him, all right. I'd recognize him anywhere. He takes after my side of the family. You call him circus freaks you come from a family? What's well, better than that white trash you come from? Shut the hell up! You shut up! I can't believe it's really you!
0: Well, we sure got ourselves a family here. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you, son, anyway? 34? I
1: really, really hated personal effects, but it wasn't because of her. <laughs> it's a movie where Ashton Kutcher and Michelle Pfeiffer are both survivors of, um, of violence. You know, Ashton Kutcher lost a sister, Michelle Pfeiffer, I, th- I think lost a uh, husband, uh, to gun violence. And like, it was like a bad film one-on-one movie. Um, but she plays Ashton Kutcher's mom in it. And yeah, like, what was I that? mean, I play at the Fields of the Lord, as I mentioned, not a great film. And I don't think she's great in it. Okay, all that being said, should we get
0: into our five stars? Absolutely. Okay, so I think that Dolores Claiborne is a masterpiece. Yes. But I think she's very good in it. I think the story and like the right, like Stephen King is like the master behind all of that. So... For my pick, I am choosing 1993's A Home of Our Own. Oh! Yeah. Um, this was one of the first movies I watched for this um, episode, and sh- it is this drama directed by Tony Bill, starring Kathy Bates and a very young Edward Furlong, um... And it's a story of... And I've tried to find information. Did you watch this movie? Do yes. Okay. I, no, I had seen it many,
1: many years ago. Uh, but enough of it had left my brain that I considered this like a real first
0: time watching. The movie starts with the director basically talking to us, being like, this is a true story. This is based on my real life. But I couldn't really find a lot of like... Yeah. You know, it's funny. Evidence. I w-
1: when I was watching it, I was like there was really a time in like the late seventies to the early nineties where they just made
0: biopics about just normal people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and I was wanting so badly to find out more about Tony bill, I guess. Yeah. And like, I was like, girl, you just made a full ass movie about your mom and yeah. your brothers and sisters. What, tell me more, like what happened? Um, so it's literally <laughs> just about a mom and her six kids who are trying that they're Poorer than poor. Yeah. Um. And they are trying to... They leave
1: LA? Yeah. Where she has like a factory job and she gets, gets fired, fired because she's
0: being sexually harassed. Yeah. And she stands up for herself. She stands up for herself. It's like a potato chip factory. Yeah. And she gathers all six of her kids into a car and she drives... Just drives into the mountains. Yeah. Um, and the kids are like, where are we going, mom? And literally gets all her kids and everything they own, which is not a lot. Um, closing their back. And it, it, it's narrated by the director who's yeah. telling us like we had nothing. Um, and they happen upon a small town where there's like this dilapidated shack in the middle of nowhere. And she says, this is where we're going to live. She finds the man who owns the land and the shack. It is a um, Asian older man who, um, you know, she convinces to let them live there. And she says, we'll work for you for however long it takes. Um, and, and sh- again, she plays like a no-nonsense, um, strong woman who is really just hanging on by the skin of her teeth. Like, yeah. F- feeding six kids. Um, and, and it just, they start a life in this town and she's very proud. She says everything we go, we, we have, we pay for. So even when she goes to the church sales to buy, um, Clothes and and furniture Um, when the when the priest says, you know, we'll give you things. She says, no, I don't don't like owing anything to anyone. I I refuse to take charity. We are not a charity case. Um, We pay for everything in our family. And um, and that pride comes back to bite her in the butt later a little bit. Um, and there's a really, this like really moving and heartbreaking scene where she realizes her pride is getting in the way of the happiness and joy of her kids that she's worked so hard for. You know, they, they, it's hard for kids to appreciate hard work when the end result isn't really, you know, something tangible. Kids can't understand, you know, why there aren't Christmas presents. Right. They they can't understand, you know, all these things. They, they, all they want to understand is, like, having fun and, and you know, it, it's hard. And so she also works at the local um, bowling alley where she, again, runs into some sexual assault stuff. Um, Edward Furlong plays her oldest son. Yeah. So good.
1: Oh, really? He's the sticking point for me. I think, like him? I, yeah, I think she's really fantastic in it. And it is, like, a really compelling story. And I think, um, you know, the, the the stress that she's under, I mean... When she finally breaks and she hits him with a belt. Yeah. Like, I was like, fuck. But I think he, you know, he's really good in Terminator 2. Because he's under that kind of like, oh, like, we gotta run and everything. When you give him just, like, a normal guy role, I was like, oh, it's very clear as to why Edward Furlong's not really acting anymore. I
0: just thought he was such a normal teen. Like, it, and, I mean, and I don't know, maybe I've just been thinking about my family a lot. But, yeah. like, they're... All I don't of- fall you for that, you know. <laughs> I just feel like there was, like... All the kids have, like, these specific personalities. Yeah. And they're all trying to navigate this... Not... I don't want to say normal, but, like, really not normal upbringing, you know? Yeah. They don't have running water for a long time. They don't have a roof for they, a long time. They
1: don't have a bathroom. They have an
0: outhouse. Yeah. Which and- becomes a huge plot point towards the end of the film. Yeah, and even when they decide to... Not even buy anything from the church sale. Mom makes the clothes herself. Yeah, and they're being picked on. And yeah, you know Edward Furlong's character is like, "Mom, I I need a, p- a white shirt because yeah, people at school." I've are- been in that situation.
1: That's the. I mean, I will admit the the like some of the I I didn't come from as poor of a background, but I certainly came from a background where we did not have a lot of money, yeah. and I I know oh, yeah. that I mean, hits home for you as well. But like the the pink shirt. Like that I had a gym coach who like went after me because my shirts were never white, yeah, my dad was a smoker, I had sisters, like I, they were either pink or yellow, yeah, you know that's the yeah, and
0: it's I there are a lot of us like really great emotional moments of this movie, and um, in the end, this is not a spoiler, but you get to see her pride and um maybe giving up a little bit on that to. Let the community help yeah I mean, well I mean this, to let the community in nonetheless
1: yeah. I mean obviously to help but to to let yes more people into her life yeah. and part of that
0: is you know shame her, yeah the the Sh- shame Sh- of totally I mean when you find out about the dad and that situation right like,
2: what happened I
3: just I don't know what it is, but if there's a son of a bitch within 70 miles, he'll find me. I've been that way since your daddy died. Any horse's ass. <laughs> I just walk right up to him and say, Here I am, you asshole. I don't let you chew me up and spit me out. I'm sorry. It's gonna be okay, okay? Honey, it's not your fault. It's his. Go on, will you? It's going to be okay.
0: <laughs> All of it is coming together and she is like the eye of this swirling tornado of emotions. She has that scene where she's talking to her son about, like, my personal life is my personal life when, you know, that doesn't go well and she's talking to him about it, like, and she realizes her oldest son is growing up uh i just think she navigates a lot of like really hard waters yeah. uh, really well um kind of early on in her career um so yeah it's 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 a tricky role it's a tricky role and i think she handles it very deftly um and it's like the one not one but it is one of the mom roles that she really gets a lot to play with it's not just a you know thankless role she's really tasked with a lot and she's
1: great and it's funny because i think i think one of the things that we're, we're both saying and it's interesting too because she doesn't do a lot of like fantasy in her career mm-hmm. i mean there's comedies you know and they're outlandish in their own right but she plays real people for the yeah. most part you know and i think you know 100 once again dolores claiborne is amazing but i picked it for stephen king i, I think if you want to revisit that Go back, listen to our five-star reviews for a Stephen King episode. But genuinely, like maybe the crown crowning achievement of her career. But I think my personal favorite, but barring her Stephen King work, because also misery, is Fried Green Tomatoes. Mm. And I don't think it's an eat because it's essentially it's a somehow both a lead and a supporting role. Yeah, she's the star of the movie, but really Mary Louise Parker and Mary Stuart Masterson story. Back in the past, what is about the, the Whistle story. Stop Cafe? Yeah. Uh, we mentioned before, she plays an unhappy housewife who's constantly going to these sort of like self help groups, you know, like put a mirror down and look at your vagina or acquaint yeah. yourself with um, trying to spice up her love life. The, the famous scene where she wears a saran wrap dress. Yeah. Uh, it's oh one my of my favorite God. things. It's so heartbreaking. Uh, she meets this older woman right in the first scene, mm-hmm. played by yeah. Jessica Tandy and she starts telling her the the life story of her family. Now the big change from the book to the movie is they are two separate characters. The movie heavily implies that, that Mary Stuart Masterson's character is, is Jessica Chandy's character and she's just older now. Um but she tells her the story of this kind of epic romance between these two women. Yeah. And, you know, their lives and Mary Louise Parker marries a, a man. Um, she has a child with him. The child is initially thought to be uh, challenged in a way that they essentially are like, don't d- like, just leave him in a hospital. Don't. Um, the husband's incredibly abusive. Um, she runs away from him. The, the women open a cafe together. Her husband comes back. He disappears one night. Um, who knows? Accidents yeah.
0: happen not every day.
1: <laughs> a husband um, could
0: be dying right now.
1: I will not tell you the conclusion of that story. It comes at the very end. And like,
0: that's, it's well worth it. Some um, interesting things. Like, she meets this woman, like, in a hospital. They're yes. visiting her husband's aunt or something. Yeah. And you never see this woman, but no. just the, like, she's throwing shit at her. She doesn't want her in the room. And so it's such a good, like, you, she is, Another. She is outside of this family that is right. to her husband. And that is such a ingenious framing. You know, like, this woman is so far out from this family. Like, she can't even visit this fucking woman in a hospital. And the thing that she wants more than anything in life
1: is kindness. Yeah. And Jessica Tandy... <sighs> instantly provides that for her. I mean, the scene, are you thinking about- I, I already
0: know what you're <laughs> thinking about. Yeah.
1: Damn. There's so many scenes where like- At the grocery yeah, store. Yeah, their life is just unkind to her. This boy runs into her at the grocery store and just instantly starts swearing at her and she like chases him down. She's like, why are you so mean to me? Now,
0: what did I do to what, you? Did you, what did I do?
1: And her bag rips and it's just, just a very believable series of events and and I think what I love about it Doesn't he movie,
0: say, fuck you, you fat bitch. Yes.
1: Yeah, and she like starts crying and you know, she she has this sort of come up and scene that's a little ridiculous later where uh two young girls yeah. uh steal her parking spot. And she fucking runs into their car and yeah. she's like they they're like we're young and hotter as they leave and as she rams in the car, she's like I'm older and I have better insurance, <laughs> you know, like
3: I never get mad. This thread never. The way I was raised, it was bad manners. Well, I got mad, and it felt terrific. I felt like I could beat the shit out of all those punks. Excuse my language. Just beat them to a pulp. Be until they beg for mercy. To Wanda, the Avenger. And after I after I wipe out all the punks of this world, I'll take on the wife beaters like Frank Bennett and machine gun their genitals. <laughs> to Wanda will go on the rampage. I'll put tiny little bombs in Pithouse and Playboy so they'll explode when you open them. And I'll ban all fashion models. who weigh less than 130 pounds. <laughs> And I'll give half the military budget to people over 65 and declare wrinkles sexually desirable. To one uh, writer of wrongs, queen beyond compare. How many of them hormones you taking, honey?
1: I think what it comes down to, to its core, is... This is a woman who a very long time ago stopped believing in herself mm-hmm. and started retreating more and more and more inward. And Jessica Tandy is there to remind her she has to participate in in her own life yeah she has to make herself seen and be shown and that character arc is so good to watch because a lot of it has to happen during the stories yeah. and so you're not really seeing necessarily the full work you see some of it but not the full work that Kathy Bates has to go to to become the this other woman right. that she is at the end of the movie but it's, it's so smart like every
0: scene where you do see her she's like she is going to these classes yeah she is you know wrapping herself up and so you yeah you get they're very smart like it's just an economic movie you know like we are getting this full arc of her in very short little scenes and uh, it's just so satisfying um,
1: what I, and I don't want to. I don't want to come away saying it's a perfect film. It's not. It's a very '90s film, it has a lot of problems that a lot of '90s films have. It's very saccharine, sweet at points to mm-hmm. the point where you're just like, "Ooh, toothache." At other times, some of the racial stuff, I was like, "Like, it's I mean, hard. it's it's got it's got its heart firmly in the right place." But in the end, like. Cicely Tyson's character has maybe four lines in yeah. the entire film and she's and for, especially for such a like she like is like the linchpin yeah and she's like surprise yeah me exactly and I'm, like you have had four lines <laughs> yeah exactly and so like there's definite issues but I think when it comes down to it I think the performances especially Kathy Bates are so strong that it makes this such an incredibly watchable film oh, yeah yeah um, I remember I had never eaten a fried green tomato before. You never have? See, my dad is from the Midwest.
0: So, I mean, I yeah. have now. But yeah. I remember when people said, oh, fried green tomatoes, I always thought of the movie, even though I hadn't seen it. And it probably wasn't until like four-ish years ago that I actually tried fried green tomatoes. My dad made the best. Genuinely. Mexican families don't really make yes. fried green <laughs> tomatoes. Yes, I get that. I get but, it. Yeah. But I will say it's fucking delicious. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, it's like
1: a little bitter. Yeah. But,
0: yeah. So great five star pick, great
1: um, meal as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, was there anything else you saw? I mean, obviously we mentioned Misery and Dolores Claiborne. Like those are the hits. Yes, those are the. Shut, th- shut up and play the hits. Yeah. Um, I, I I really did like her performance in Primary Colors as well.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, really heartfelt. Um, I got I have to say, you know, again I mentioned Waterboy. Boy. Yeah. I mean, she that proves that she can be like. This ridiculous character actress who is going to go like outside of the box to just full like Pratt Folly type comedy. Um, and she can handle it, you know? Yeah.
1: If you want to talk really amazing supporting roles in a movie I didn't particularly like, I really enjoyed her showing up in The Highwaymen uh, mm. as the governor of Texas, mm. um, who was like kind of a larger-than-life character. Um, and I I think she steals every scene she's in. She just like gobbled that's, it up. And, that's like, the Netflix movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not great. Okay. Who knew that the story about the people that hunted down Bonnie and Clyde wouldn't be as interesting as the story of Bonnie and Clyde? Wow. wow. Who knew? Never knew that. She's in Rat Race, which is yes, a classic. A classic. Um, mentioned on the second season of Joe Parra talks with you on Adult Swim. Watch
0: it now. Thank you. Plug plugs. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, uh, <laughs> before we move away, uh, come back to the five and dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Jean. Oh, absolutely. as always, as
1: always. And and she's really great in that because you know she you clearly she's lived that role on stage and yeah. but she adapts it to even though it is a very stage worthy. Adaptation she adapts it to the screen without a hitch, really.
3: Wait, where where where's that club uh, picture, Who Mona? Is she? Holy shit. Is she oh done my god. Is she? I mean Tell me that's not me. Would you get a look at the outfit I'm wearing? Oh Lord, if any of the girls right at the country in the back, club got their paws on there I'd be It smelled like mothballs. So I send it to the dry cleaner. And Louise, what... quit belly aching about the way you look. She's been harping about that damn dress all the damn day. Go put it on and shut up.
1: So before we move into our fast forward, why don't we do our mixed reviews review? Um, my one star review was 2005's Ambulance
0: Girl. (laughs) My one star review was 2002's Unconditional Love. And my five star review was 1993's A Home of Our Own.
1: And my five star review was 1991's Fried Green Tomatoes. Oh my god, we were like in the same neighborhood. We were, were for both. We talked to Kathy Bates once again because she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress yes. for Richard Jewell. Richard Jewell. Uh, I saw it. I know you didn't. I did not. Politics aside, regardless what you think about anything having to do with the <sighs> Olympic bombing and and how Richard Jewell was railroaded, um, I think unfortunately a lot of people, because he's seen as such a luminary, are afraid to talk about the fact that I don't think Clint. I think style of filmmaking. Does not necessarily lend itself to good movies anymore. Wow. He's a very run and gun director. He oftentimes does one take. I don't think it services his actors. I think he, the reason he casts the way he does. Is because he knows these people will give good performances. But I think especially. Obviously Kathy did the work. She said many interviews. She talked to Richard Jewell's mother. You know yeah. she spent a lot of time with her. She sounded like very emotionally connected to this character. Yes. I will say it's passable performance though. It's not. You know, I don't think he gives them a ton of time to rehearse. I don't think he gives them a ton of time to, like I said, do multiple takes. I think the role that she plays in the screen, she could have done in her sleep. But I think, and this is not me insulting Kathy Bates, I think everybody in the film is basically doing that thing. I think the only standout is Paul Walter Hauser, and then also... You know, to a lesser extent, Sam Rockwell, but Sam Rockwell's doing the thing that he was hired to do. We did a Sam Rockwell episode. You know, you know, sometimes he shows up to play Sam Rockwell. This was that movie. Yeah. John Hamm's in the movie. He showed up to play John Hamm. Yeah. Olivia Wilde's giving performance. Not a good one, but like. She's doing her best. Yeah, she's doing her best. It's a badly written role. Um, and I think that's what it is. I think the script is not great. And I think because of that and because of the ill, you know, as once again, as an editor, ugh, there were shots in that movie. There were things in that movie that was just like, how did this make the final cut of this film?
0: She t- t- I, when she was talking to Peter Travers and he's like, oh, that big emotional scene when you're like, yeah, to the president her one scene.
2: My son is innocent. Mr. President, please clear my son's name.
0: She says um, that was one take. And yeah. <laughs> and
1: Once again, great in it. Could I have could it maybe have used a second or third take? Yeah, maybe. It's it's bizarre. Yeah, that's the way Clint Eastwood works now. He does he like one and done, and like people talk about Ed Wood as the worst filmmaker in the world, and part of it is like well he only did one take, but fucking Clint Eastwood does
0: it. They're like genius. Genius. Mwah. So yeah. like, I I have personal bias against yes. this movie just when. The- I mean, in I in that same interview, Kathy Bates is like, oh, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution never apologized. And I'm like, for what would they apologize, Right. Though? Like, if the FBI is leaking to a news, news organization that they're interested in a suspect, that is news. Is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution wrong for reporting that someone is a suspect? Even if the suspect is incorrect, like, the FBI is looking into someone, that is news. Yeah. And then I'm sure the Journal- later printed that oh yeah it turns out he wasn't the guy
1: I mean they even do it's a little too little too late but they even do the like Olivia Wilde realizing
0: like oh they're railroading this guy uh like we gotta do something you right know? and I I read that the movie is, like implies that she fucked John Hamm for the info yeah and this woman is dead now yeah so she, and it's just I uh, I think um Clint Eastwood is very interested in like taking down government and media yeah. because they just like want to fuck over the little guys. And I'm like, relax. Yeah. It's too much for me. Um,
1: but. but she was nominated for this role at the 92nd Academy Awards, which just happened this last Sunday. She lost to Laura Dern in marriage story. I think we can all agree. That's the best of all worlds. So, um, though there was a lot of momentum against, uh, behind Florence Pugh from little women. So, yeah, but, um,
0: I wanted to read really quickly as we like look forward to what's next for Miss Kathleen Doyle Bites. Um, this interviewer in interview magazine, he says, it seems that the obvious benefit from misery is that now you get to be a star. And she laughs and says, I don't know about that. And he says, you don't think that's going to happen or you don't, you don't think that's going to happen for you. And she says, because I'm a woman, because I'm a character actress, because I'm over 40, she was over 40 doing misery. Yeah. I'll be very interested to see, not just for me, but for other actresses, how Hollywood treats us in the next 10, 15 years. I'm hoping that it's not going to be easy to shove people under the rug as they have in the past. There are a lot of powerful women in Hollywood who have been movie stars for a long time who are getting into their 40s and 50s. I still want to see them work. And that is so interesting to me because, and it's also so fortuitous because 10, 15 years later in her career, um, you know, after the early 90s, she was kind of like lost in the shuffle. She was relegated to these really, you know, thankless mom roles in romantic comedies yeah. and silly things that just weren't good. Um and now she's at this point where she's thanking Ryan Murphy for reigniting her career, which is fucking bonkers. Um are you a horror story person? Uh I watched Coven. I
1: think I watched Freak Show and I think that's where I stopped. Um do do you do
0: you think she's good? Like what? I...
1: Oh, I love I loved her in in Coven. I will say that role is a very Ryan Murphy role where it's like let's make her say the most racist thing possible. However, she yeah. was playing a terrible real person. Right. So like I you know, but I th- I thought she did really great in that role. You know, there's that famous scene where she's crying while
0: watching Obama. Obama, you yeah. know, yeah. I've seen the memes. I I'm not a horror story person. I'm not a Ryan Murphy person. Yeah. I've paid my dues by watching all of Glee. Um, I will not be sucked in again. It's just interesting. You know, she has gone through all these like waves. Uh, you know, um, I think she really honed her craft on stage, crested on at this peak, you know, in the early 90s, doing all these great, great movies and roles. And she fucking marked her ass off. Um, and I mean, then she like, what, turned 50 and yeah. all of a sudden, like she was even when she was younger. Started reaching and playing for older characters, and all these moms and stuff. And um, I think she definitely also um, has been, or she's tried to be choosy. She's, yeah. I think when she throws herself into TV work, I mean, it, it, cl- it was clear she loved Harry's Law. Right. Um, well, I think the reason she does
1: TV is I think it's cl- in a way closer to theater. You know, you get to to live these characters. And unlike theater, obviously these characters go on further. There's multiple episodes and everything. But in a way, you get to inhabit these characters for a long time. And you get to live and breathe them. And you get to do other things with them. And I think that's why she, you know, gravitates towards TV. I don't, I mean, don't always love the projects. Like, like said, American Horror Story. I'm also never never going to sit down to watch a Chuck
0: Lorre sitcom. No, my God. So that's... Um, and I thought this, this is the last thing I'll say from this interview. Um, he asks her that she's a lot more sanguine about the glam queen snatching her stage roles now that she has an Oscar. And she says, I'm fighting to keep my energy and my passion centered on the work and not on will this get me an Oscar, which is the way people are starting to talk to me. I'm not interested in the way people are starting to talk to me. I'm not interested in looking at a role that way. That's not what I ever did. And that's not how I continue to do my work. I still have a, have to have a visceral response to the material, material and the role. Um, I want to make sure that me and the director have co- the same common goals. I haven't been in the kind of position where my roles have been chosen for me where someone says, first we'll do this and then we'll do this. And it's all part of some master plan. It's been a slower, more spiritual journey for me. Um, and I kind of like love that. She really, I think when she was making um, at play in the fields of the Lord, correct. Wow. um, I think she really, you know, wanted to work with this filmmaker really was having this visceral response to the movie. I think uh, a home of our own, a lot of these movies fried tomatoes. You can sense all this um, energy of a woman who has been hurt in her real life connecting with these women. Um, in those ways, I think she might've lost her way, um, going forward. I like, and just having to play like mystical, magical momical, you know, stuff. Um, but then coming back around into her, you know, these later years, clearly, again, with Richard Jewell, she feels very protective of Bobby Jewell and this role. Um, so it's interesting. And I I wonder And as she's getting older and she said it's so much harder for her to work now. Um, I wonder what she has left in her.
1: Yeah. The only thing that's scheduled um, on her IMDb is she's doing this film called Home. Uh, the logline is an ex-felon returns home from prison and must confront the demons of his past. Uh, she is the biggest name in it, but it is interesting that it's being directed by Franca Potante, uh, who was the star of Run, Low, the Run, and it's her first film as a director. Wow. So... That's interesting. Yeah. So, but I agree. And I'd be curious, you know, it's it's hard when we pick somebody who's older. Like, it's so funny because sometimes we pick dead people and sometimes we pick older people and it's hard to be like, oh, wh- what What's do we next? want next? Uh, I would love, and I feel like we say this a lot, I would love to see her on stage again. I know that's a hard, being 70, I know that's a hard ask, you know, it would have to be a limited run because she wants to do other things and yeah. uh, it's going to exhaust you doing eight days a week, but, or eight shows a week. I wonder if anybody has ever thought of mounting another version of M- Night Mother with wow. her in the mother role. Wow, that would be
0: incredible.
1: Yeah, that's all I could think of doing these two weeks. I was like, I would love to see Night Mother with her in the opposite role.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know what else I could possibly want from Kathy Bates. I mean, is there like a Grace and Frankie type vehicle right. waiting for her? Um, who knows? Is there a book club type vehicle waiting for her? Um, I, I honestly, at this point, I just want her to be happy. Yeah. And like healthy. Yeah. Um, because she beats herself up so much. Uh,
1: but it is it, it is interesting to do a, a celebrity because everybody thinks like celebrities, charm lives and whatnot, who has... I don't know some of the similar problems that I see in myself or, you know, in other people and, and that sort
0: of, yeah. I mean, you, we were talking about this earlier. Like when you hear her talk about herself, you always just want to be like, Kathy, no. Yeah. It's exactly like,
1: stop it. Yeah.
0: Stop. And people are like, you know, you, you are beautiful. And, and you know, um, you like, uh, it's just hard. You yeah. know, It's, we talked a little bit about this with Melissa McCarthy, but I think in that, in that sense, she's such a comedic actress. Yeah. Um, with Kathy Bates she it almost feels like early on in her career she is like well this is what I am this is what people see me as and so this is what I'll play yeah you know and kind of always knowing I'm not an ingenue I'm not the pretty girl I'm not going to get the pretty girl roles um but man to have the career that she has um and and like she fucking fought tooth and nail through all of that shit to get where she is now and it's kind of incredible and and I hope um, she knows, like, what kind of, like, an inspiration icon she is, because no matter what you say about her, uh, when you see her on screen, no matter, like, you're, it's always like, oh, fuck, I love her. Yeah. Like, she's one of those actresses. Yeah. It's- I mean, that's I,
1: when I, when she finally showed up in on the basis of sex for her, like, two scenes, I was just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You, you really feel like, oh man, she's fucking great. Like, we yeah. love her. Like, yeah. a, a national treasure.
1: Yeah. <sighs> that's, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Kathy Bates. We love you. Miss Kathleen. Miss Kathleen. Kathleen Doyle. Mm. Alright, well thank you everybody so much for listening to The Mixed Reviews. Thank you guys. You can find us online at our Twitter at, at the Mixed Reviews, where we post polls and things so please watch out for that coming absolutely soon soon and you can decide on your favorite Kathy Bates film.
0: Yes, you can also find us on Facebook, just type in the mixed reviews.
1: You can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. Send us little love notes. Yeah, we're also on Instagram. You can follow us at the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to us, like you've just listened to this entire episode, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, and iHeartMedia And if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review, a nice little five-star review, and just write a few couple words to us. We'll read it on the show. We love hearing from you guys. We love getting feedback. We love knowing what you like about the show and what you want to see us do in the future.
0: Slide into our DMs. Oh, absolutely. Um, You can also, Gavin's been posting some little clips from movies and stuff, so I loved seeing little... Alfre Woodard, and her Popeye Jackson. Did you enjoy the footage not found of you? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Keeping me anonymous. I am uh, I'm shy. Talk to us, guys. We love hearing from you. And um, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Absolutely. Bye. Bye.
2: How I hate little shoes, little socks, and each little bloomer. Cracked years ago, if it weren't for my sense of humor. Someday I'll step on their freckles, some night I'll straighten the curls. I'll send the floods, send the flu, anything that you can do, do. Little girl.